Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snow. Thanks for downloading this podcast. My name is Rob Snow White, and yes, that is my real last name. I'll keep explaining it because there's new people listening around the world all the time, and they may think that is my pseudonym, but if I was going to make a name for fly fishing, it would be a little more fishy than a, a cartoon. So that is my name, and what I do is I teach people to catch fish with a fly rod that they're going to throw back in the water. And this episode is all about trying to target a specific type of fish in a specific location at a specific time of year. And you need to have a lot of variables line up. You need to have the right water temperatures, the right water levels, the right tides, the right moons. We've got the flies ready. We got the rods ready. We know all of that. All of our gear is ready to go, but we need everything to line up down there. And this is my account of the year's 2022 spring shad run around the chain bridge to Fletcher's area on the Potomac River. If you want to come out next year and do the Shad Run, give me a call. We'll get it handled. This podcast is brought to you by Solo Stove. If you want to purchase a smokeless fire pit or a pizza oven or the accessories to go with all of these extremely high-tech functioning fire pits, 
please go to any of my social media or website and click on the Solo Stove link. Every purchase you make helps support my small business. Do not settle for cheap, lousy fire pits that are going to throw sparks on you and cause smoke in your eyes and make you have to shower before you go to bed and rinse off all of your clothes in the washer. This is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast produced by Jason Reef, brought to you by Solo Stove. We're going to go down and find out about the Shad Run this year. Good afternoon. Today is the 14th of April. I should have started this podcast a couple weeks ago, but I, I was able to hold off till today because nothing's really happened. Tomorrow we start shad season officially. Now I had a client call me, wanted to do a trip the 30th of March, and I said, that's fine. Let's get you scheduled early. We'll see how the conditions are. And then another client who wanted to schedule that same day. So I had one morning and one afternoon scheduled, and the second client was having shoulder surgery the next day or arm surgery so we wanted to get this done get him squared away with where and how to fish before the season starts and it just so happens that on march 24th i threw out my back and i thought it was gonna be flip-flop season early today is my first weird day wearing flip-flops today's my first day wearing flip-flops actually so i screwed myself a month early i was cutting my toenails and i threw out my back and i kid you not i was an invalid for over a week and you've heard me complaining about my back issues for years on this podcast it all started one day when i was a cheesemonger my morning client that day canceled because he was from the deep south and we had a cold front come through so it was going to be really cold the water was on the the cusp of just shadiness and people have been catching shad for a couple days now down river so the second client we still wanted to fish even if he wasn't going to catch anything just to learn the ropes we fish for two hours don't even get a single tug see a couple fish jumping a couple snakehead dudes walking around and just random people just milling around wanting to talk plenty of garbage that early in the season which was pretty disgusting i was kind of glad we called it early because my back was killing me i had to go lay down in the back of the xterra for a good several minutes before i could actually drive i'm fine except it's that angle when i'm driving and hopefully the Cardinals aren't too loud behind me. They're everywhere this year. And the other night, there were two great horned owls in the neighbor's oak tree right in the backyard. I not only did I see them, I got to hear them too. So my next set of clients were for Friday morning, and then we're going to fish Saturday. So two clients, Mark is the one who did the podcast with me at my house about the Western Native States Challenge. And I probably screwed up how I said that. Uh, Again, water temperatures now are in the mid-50s, perfect for shad. The water on Wednesday was probably seven, eight-foot visibility. So Friday, definitely even better. So I hobble down to the parking lot. I meet my clients, and there's three of us. We go down there, and we work that river for a good several hours. We get a couple of tugs. There's cormorants everywhere. There's terns. There's ospreys. Uh, there's a massive juvenile bald eagle picking at fish at the surface the the bird numbers had increased since the day before two days but nothing swimming through the river not seeing anything particularly crazy or fishy going on so we decided the next day we're going to go take out the boat down river so we hobble back up to my car and we get all the gear packed and we decide we're going to meet back here Kristen lane around two or three o'clock to do the podcast so 
I zip back here. I think I stopped somewhere. I think it was it was Friday, so I went to McDonald's to get my free fries and my large Coke. Sort of my thing these days. Not the best combination in your belly, though. That's a lot of bubble and a lot of spud. And I might have to switch to medium fries tomorrow. Tomorrow, it's yeah, I got eight hours out there. It's gonna be a long day. So on Saturday, it's it's even warmer. It's all sunny. And uh, there's people in spinning gear on the river catching stuff downriver, but we're not getting anything out where they are. So we go upriver a bit where it's more concentrated and we start just foul hooking gizzards and hickories. I mean, there were so many fish in the river that you couldn't get a bite. It was absolutely nuts just how many fish were popping and splashing. And then you'd see seven or eight hickory shad tails come up to the surface and splash. We floated downriver with the current for a bit and we got into a couple of hickories, but wasn't anything spectacular. Uh, it, it should have been absolutely stellar both of those days, but you know, that's the shad. They're, they're kind of a finicky thing. And I always say it's the last two weeks of April when it gets hot out, when your car is covered in pollen from the time you get to the river and then you go to your car and it's five shades more yellow-green. Those are going to be the epic days. And I think we're about to start that. So I'm going to be taking a mic down with me, my little dat. We're going to record clients, record myself. We're going to see how I do tomorrow. It's been three weeks today since I hurt my back, and I'm finally able to do things. Um, I don't know if it's getting old or what, but it's taking longer. And it's just, it's ridiculous just having to sit around. I haven't been able to tie flies at all because I can't sit up. So it's been a lot of sofa, a lot of floor, and not a whole lot of not driving. I redid one of the hubs today on the trailer, so I'm ready to go out on the boat if anybody wants to do that. I've got some old friends coming out. Uh, I got clients coming down from Pennsylvania. So we're going to have a great time the next couple weeks, and I'm going to share it for all of you that really have no idea what I'm talking about when I'm talking about shad fishing. If you're in Lithuania or Bulgaria or Australia, these are anadromous fish that live deep in the ocean that migrate up into fresh water every spring around Washington, D.C. and the East Coast rivers to spawn by the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, and they will aggressively take flies to protect their spawning. And I'm getting a call from one of my old bosses at the fly shop now, so I'm going to hang up on you and go check what's going on later. Say something. Well, uh, Rob, known you a long time, and uh, great um, friend of mine, and and you know your stuff about fishing, man. Uh, it's awesome. Are you going to be shad fishing this year? I was thinking about it, relying on uh, one of my brothers. Um, he was telling me that hasn't been great. Usually the areas um, we would fish, nothing's happening. It's going to pick up tomorrow. I know it. It has to. All right, I'm hanging up on the mic now. I don't know if that recorded, but while I have you, let's go over the forecast for tomorrow. If I'm going to do this consistently, somebody could graph all of the variables. Tomorrow's going to be high of 71. It's going to be a low of 53. What's the moon forecast? The current weather is 61 degrees Fahrenheit with cloudy skies. Tonight, you can look for cloudy skies moving in and out with a low of 46 degrees. What's the moon phase tonight? Last Saturday, April 9th through this Saturday is a waxing gibbous moon. 
So when is the next full moon? Full moon will start on April 16, 2022 at 2.55 p.m. and it will end on April 17, 2022 at 2.55 a.m. Alright, so the last couple of weeks uh, it, it rained pretty hard and I was out of commission so there's been no fishing. Uh, tomorrow the river is finally dropping down to 4.6 feet. It was up around 9 a couple uh, days ago and the turbidity has also dropped. The temperature right now is 60 degrees, 61, and that should go up tomorrow. And the turbidity is 11. Nope, that's dissolved oxygen. Uh, you get about 220 as your specific conductance water unfiltered micro Siemens per centimeter at 25 degrees. I'm going next door now. Well, it's now Easter Sunday. It's about six o'clock. I just had some leftover brisket from last night. Let's get you caught up with the last couple of days. Friday morning was absolutely beautiful. It was super warm. The water was still just below five feet and in the 50 degrees. We started off with birds everywhere and a little bit murky water and fish popping. The herring finally arrived and were around our feet, but they were not filling up the river. The river is not full of fish yet. My clients are getting ready to move to Denmark for a while, so we talked a lot about birding and they're very excited to go see puffins while they're there. And while we fished, we got into hickory shad and white perch and foul hooked a lot of, sh uh, we foul hooked a lot of herring. It was the most herring of the day. So they caught a bunch of fish. They had never really fly fished before. Definitely never roll cast with a weighted line. Swapped them out around noon and the next guy came in. He's a native Texan. And of course we had a whole conversation about brisket. He had his uncle's gifted five weight in a reel. And I have not seen a rod bend like that in a long time. I think I might have to go back to bringing a five weight down to the river, either for the either for the clients that want to have some crazy fun fishing or for the couple of minutes I get a fish before or after a client. So we got into plenty of hickory shad, we got into plenty of white perch, and of course we still foul hooked plenty of herring. There was a young couple across from us, uh, a young lady and a boyfriend, husband, fiance, I don't know, they looked like kids to me. He had a fly rod and every once in a while they would swap out. She didn't have glasses or hat on or anything. I don't know how she was able to fish on the far shore. They were getting into fish. I surmised that that lady was from New England, the way she was stripping line in aggressively. It was, it was pretty crazy. And we got some pretty big white perch towards the end. And then in one of the tide pools, I started noticing all sorts of movement. I've seen scuds in the tide pools up at Chain Bridge. But this was full of several different species of mayflies and a huge dragonfly nymph. And I'm gonna cut all the videos I took of them together, post those on YouTube eventually. So while I'm geeking out over bugs and showing the bugs to my client, we finally break off. And it's been very nice not having to go through tons of flies this year. So we put on a pink shad nom nom and right as we're getting ready to leave, he hooks and we land an American shad, which was fantastic. Not the biggest of American shads, but respectable. And for a dad with two young kids, for him to get out and fish for himself for a little bit and hook fish that big on a five weight was absolutely remarkable. 
So we had a great, great time. I would say we're almost getting to the point of the captain from The Little Mermaid at this point, Friday afternoon. Fish are starting to come in. For on the Disney, if we're using the Disney bell curve, we're just past Aladdin as of Friday. So Saturday morning, I get up nice and early and I roll down and thankfully traffic was not as bad as it was on Friday afternoon. It took a good hour to get home 12 to 15 miles. Whereas this morning, Saturday, it took me 14 minutes to get there. It's remarkable the difference between weekday and weekend. So my client was rescheduled from the other day. He's moving to Georgia probably today, I think. He had a gift certificate. So we wanted to knock that out before he left. And he may be the driver of the largest truck I have ever seen. My nose was below the hood ornament spot. And I'm 5'11 and was wearing wellies. It was massive. I couldn't imagine how much comfiness, how comfortable it would be, how much I would enjoy sleeping in the back of that truck in a snowstorm. So we were throwing flies on the nine and a half foot six weight and the herring were just not around in the same numbers. So we ended up getting uh, a bunch of hickories, a couple of perch, and maybe a few herring. We were both super stinky and... We were done pretty early and I came back here and just got stuff done and prepared for dinner at my dad's house. We got a pretty big thunderstorm that went through really quickly last night. So there was not much runoff at all out here, if any. It was just enough for all the pollen on the car to turn into yellowish mud. And then Margaret Thatcher on Twitter said that she is a snakehead which I'm not sure what that means. I retweeted that. I don't believe it's the real Margaret Thatcher because she's not alive anymore. Today is Easter Sunday, and it was absolutely beautiful when I got up this morning. I'm wearing long johns and three layers of long sleeve shirts. I'm sitting at my desk right now wearing my downed vest and a little beanie because it got a little cold last night, and it's going to drop another 20 to 30 degrees tonight. About 15 miles west of here is a freeze warning for tonight. So I brought in the tomato plant and my potted pepper plant so they do not freeze outside tonight, just in case. This is why you don't plant things in Northern Virginia in your garden until after Mother's Day. So I got there a little early before Andre and I went down to the river and I walked around a little bit because there was a river cleanup yesterday by the local Geico employees and they cleaned up a lot of disgusting garbage. Huge thank you to the Geico of wherever office you were. You did great. So I walked around today and I couldn't believe the amount of litter that occurred since noon the day before. Just foil, wrappers, beer bottles, water bottles, monofilament, just food wrappers, diapers, just disgusting. I just can't believe some of the people that go down there and they just leave everything behind. So I ended up bumping into a guy who's sort of in my spot and he's spin fishing. We start talking and he's throwing a rig, spinning rod with a shad dart and some pretty heavy weight. So I'm like, I'm going to tie on a fly on there just to give you an extra chance. And he's fishing and fishing. We're talking. He said, first time he's ever been down there as an adult. He's 57 now. He has some kids that he wants to take fishing there, but he hasn't taken them yet. And his dad used to take him there when he was a kid. But his dad never really let him fish. He would just give him a toy rod and a bobber and just let him, you know, screw around and play in the sand. So he breaks off with all that weight. And I said, you know what? I think that's too heavy. Let's just try 
just your dart, and I'm going to put on this Shadfly. We haven't even named the Shadfly yet. Uh, it's, it's one I'm selling this year. It's, they're pretty. They're beadhead with a collar and then a rib body and a short flashy tail. Three or four casts into that, he gets his first ever Hickory Shad, and he was ecstatic. And I was super excited that I helped an adult catch their first fish of a type for the first time. It's always fun when kids do it, but it's even more remarkable when an adult does it for the first time. So I gave him my contact info because now he wants to try fly fishing for it. So as I was hanging out with him, I started throwing some line out with the six weight. And I just forget how strong a 14-inch hickory shad is. It is incredible the bend they put on a rod. And I took a picture with the fish. I fought it on the reel. And I probably had a couple more casts on. And then my client showed up. So he fished for a couple hours, just him and myself, and my job was just netting fish. And he caught herring, perch, hickories, all morning, bent rod. We definitely caught more with the 350 grain, which has a crack in it now, so it's probably just going to be turned into a shooting head for something. I luckily found an old 350 grain downstairs. So while we're fishing, the other client shows up. Turns out he's an exceptional, mostly novice angler who's in town visiting family. And I think I'm going to ask him to record a voice memo of what he thought the fishing was today, or I'm going to have to call him up and we'll do it on Zoom. Um, he was exhausted. We ended up ending an hour early because I was netting fish for him for three hours nonstop. Huge hickories, small hickories, probably the biggest perch in the last year or two. And we saved a bunch of the white perch so he can go home and have a fish fry tonight. Um, some of them were absolutely huge. Now, he was catching fish the whole time. Both sides of the shoreline are completely covered in anglers. I did not see anyone else but a gentleman next to us towards the end catch a fish in the five and a half to six hours I was there today. There were people fly fishing on the other shoreline, spin fishing, bait fishing, snagging, etc. Not a single person except the guy next to us, and he walked down with a whole pizza in a box, which I thought was remarkable. Reminded me of the time I brought that pizza on the boat and Justin was folding it over and eating it double-sided. So this guy was just going for some white perch to take home with his family. His family finally showed up behind him. That's what the pizza was for. And yeah, he caught a white perch. It was six inches long. Out of 75 anglers I saw today throughout the entire day, only person who caught a fish. So we left at two o'clock. A beautiful afternoon. I came back here, had an ice cold Coke, checked emails and news on the porch, I pulled some weeds, I killed some bamboo in the backyard, and I got the rest of the evening just to chill. It's a beautiful day, maybe I'll go for a walk or probably just chill and, and read some more. I will be closely watching Doppler and the hydrographs because we're supposed to get up to a quarter inch of rain with the cold front tomorrow. Uh, I know there's a lot of trees out there and a lot of shrubs and other flowering plants that have itty bitty leaves on them right now and then you fill them with water so each tree is going to suck up gallons upon gallons upon gallons of water tomorrow so hopefully a lot of those plants are going to soak it up and we're not going to get too much runoff just what is on hard surfaces will go in the water still way too much water than normal but hopefully for eric fishing on tuesday morning we're gonna have a good day tomorrow's client actually canceled we're gonna reschedule he's not feeling well tomorrow's soup weather stay home unless you just want to go for stripers other than that i'm i'm going to sit home and pay bills and do some laundry and tie some flies uh, so yeah eric and i are going to work on some two-handed casting skills 
and hopefully get into a bunch of hickory shad. I know that the air temperature does not negatively affect water temperature as quickly as you may think. So we may be able to escape this two to three days of cold air before it becomes 80 degrees in the weekend. And hopefully Jason's coming down is the plan. And I'm going to make him some armadillo eggs on the Traeger. That's it for uh, this part of the Shad Report. It is definitely creeped up a bit, but the river is not full of fish yet. We are not at full Shad Run peak. Today's April 25th. Let me get you caught up. You can hear the cat bird has arrived for the season in our backyard. And as I left you last week, it was going to rain and cold front was going to come in. So that happened Sunday night into Monday. Monday was soup weather, kind of day where you just want to sit in bed all day and then eat soup. Cold, raining, all day, dreary. Wasn't too windy. With all that rain, the river did not go up at all. With the cold front and all the snow that melted in to the river, it snowed everywhere. I mean, the western side of our county, Dulles Airport, had snow. Uh, snowed in Maryland, Pennsylvania. So you got a lot of cold runoff coming downriver. So the temperature dropped. Now, we've had years where that has not affected the fishing at all, where fish are still moving at 54 degrees, but nothing was happening Monday. Apparently it was great before the front really came in. Scott's, uh, client Scott said he caught a whole bunch of fish on my flies from Fletcher's in a boat in the morning. Tuesday morning, I get down to my client. I may have been wearing waders because it was just gross and wet and nasty and cold. And there were fish moving around. The herring that were there on Sunday and the fish that were there on Sunday weren't as prominent. The river was not full of fish. The birds that day were not coming up with a whole lot of herring. The birding was amazing. There were gulls in front of us eating something out of the foam line in the middle of the river. And all day long, they would gobble, 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 float down a bunch, and then they'd all fly back at once. So the birding's been amazing. Terns, herons, ospreys, vultures, kingfishers, ravens, crows, so much wildlife down there. And that's one thing my client on Sunday had remarked about how much wildlife for such an urban area. So I think we called it early on Tuesday. It just wasn't happening. And Wednesday, the water went up three, three to four degrees maybe. And it was slow. I mean, we maybe have gotten one hickory in three hours. There were a couple of bumps. There were definitely fish splashing around. Guy was able to snag two snakeheads to the right of us. I just happened to look down and there was a snakehead facing upstream in the back eddy. And he dropped his treble hook and dragged that thing out. Not 10 minutes later, another fish showed up in the same spot. And it must have just had the right current or whatever for snakeheads to chill. And then by Wednesday afternoon, the temperature had gone up more. We finally got some sunshine. But Thursday morning just wasn't a hot day of fishing. So my client on Thursday, we met up on the Salmon River of New York in the parking lot. And his grandkids are down here. So he was in town and we did some fishing and he did great, but yeah, it was just tough. The weather still just was not cooperating. I was probably shivering all day. I definitely had long johns on, a hoodie, and probably Dirty Bill's hat. Because I remarked that, oh, Dirty Bill, that's you park right near his house, in the lower fly zone. So it was great to talk to Ron and all his fishing and his life 
in fishing and salmon river stories from back in the day. And again, just nothing great, but we got a whole bunch of sun in that afternoon and Friday morning when Steve met me, it was absolutely nuts. We had three and a half hours, four hours of just crazy action. We caught the second biggest blue cat of all time, third biggest blue cat of all time, first cast with the pink shad nom nom. And if you go to the social media, you can see that that catfish bent this hook. It doesn't look like a fly. It just looks mangled. Steve has an innate ability to fight big fish. Some people freak out and they wave that rod tip like they're a conductor. He held that rod up to his stomach, put the butt in, held the rod tight, didn't move the tip, and just cranked when he needed to and let line go when he needed to. Uh, some dodgy lines I'm using. Everyone seems to be stepping on lines this year, and I'm not going to th- start using brand new lines at the end or near peak of shad season when people are just going to step and crack all of my lines. Uh, yeah, I've got some six-year-old Orvis depth charge that needs to be swapped out. We actually broke the tip off of it on a snag, so it's more of like a 350-grain shooting head. And the scientific angler lines just are cracked all over after two seasons, maybe. So that's my input on what brand of sinking line. I prefer the Orvis depth charge. And Steve, it was hot. I was finished with my Nalgene pretty early that day. He was hooking fish left and right, hickory shad, American shad. Still, the river was not full of fish. Due to scheduling conflicts, I had to cancel clients and Jason for the weekend. I'm sure it was absolutely nuts out there. The water is super warm. It's super clear. It's low. I also just avoided the crazy crowds over the weekend. My kid and I ended up going to Kenilworth Aquatic Gardens yesterday morning in D.C., which is, it looks like rice paddies, and they have lotus flowers in them, and it floods once or twice a year from the Anacostia, and it's full of snakeheads. I've never seen juvenile snakeheads like that, but I did yesterday. And we go back to the car, and we get the eight-weight out, we tie on a frog, and I have got three false casts in before the U.S. Park Ranger comes out and shoes me away. She says, I can go fish at the river all I want, which is not what I want. I want to fish the ponds. I was expecting to get my neighbor Don a snakehead for dinner. And then today, I predicted today would have been the best day of the year to be fishing, the 25th. It's also my mom's birthday, or would have been her birthday. And my client, Chris, had to cancel due to a family emergency. We've been talking about this for months. We've been texting. I was predicting just absolutely insane finger-burning fish runs, fighting fish, bent rods, hook sets all day long. And I think tomorrow I'm going out same time as normal. We're doing uh, 9 to 1 every day right now. And I think tomorrow should be awesome. We're going to get another cold front tomorrow. So I just put in a bunch of zinnia seeds, a bunch of thyme in the garden, a bunch of other stuff. And it's going to drop in temperature. So I made tomato bisque today in the Instant Pot from Art. And I'm going to load up my fly boxes soon. I've got Gatorade powder mixed up in Nalgene's for tomorrow because it's going to be hot and sunny. And I expect to have about five hours of just ridiculous shad fishing tomorrow. I would say we'd be at peak if the temperature wasn't going to drop, but I think things might slow down a bit. And then I'll just have to see how things have been in the last four days since I haven't been down there. So that's where we are today. And let's see if we can record someone this week because last week I completely forgot and the battery for my dad didn't work. So I'll have my phone, make some recordings and uh, have fun. 
I hope everyone is out there just bending rods from Fredericksburg to Richmond to Deer Creek to Conowingo Dam. It's really an amazing thing to experience the springtime. And if you want to say the dogwoods and rhododendrons are in full bloom right now and the shad are in the river, that is an acceptable natural comparison you can make. Stay tuned until the next report. It's the 26th of April and I'm sitting down here on the river. I'm about to head home myself and make some dinner. We got down here and the river is alive with fish. The shoreline is alive with garbage. I don't think there are more filthy national parks than the ones in DC. It's absolutely disgusting down here. There are discarded herring and shad all over the shore. I got about a three-aught baited hook stuck in my boot. There's beer cans everywhere, Coke cans, water bottle, Gatorade, forks, knives, limes, foil, food wrappers, discarded fires, silverware, styrofoam, broken reels, monofilament, you name it, it's on the ground here. We rigged up, got into fish pretty quickly. There are herring everywhere. So as I'm talking to you, I can see 100, 200 fish with my naked eye polarized glasses right now. There's just black tails absolutely everywhere swirling. The river's still not full of fish. It's got a lot of fish in it, but it's not full. We got into hickory shad and white perch this morning on damsels and nom noms and the new fly. Nothing on the jig. A couple of foul hooked fish. Definitely had to let it swing, hang for a while. There was no rhyme or reason to retrieve or depth. It was all random. But at the start, every time my client would go to roll cast, a hickory shad would chase his fly. And when your rod's just at your ear level, it's kind of hard to set the hook. Um, split second earlier. And I was above him on a rock watching it all. And it's pretty exciting to see cast after cast when you go to pause and get your anchor that there's a couple of 14-inch long fish that are bright silver coming up from the depths and chasing a fly. And my client had to leave after a couple hours, and I decided to stay down here. It tapered off. The fishing was slow, so it was a good time to end for the day. And as I'm looking downriver, I noticed there's a Cuban yo-yo hanging from an overhanging tree. And the flies we lost in that tree are gone now. So somebody must have climbed up there and pulled those articulated flies out of the tree. It's just more garbage. Um, I doubt you can hear the raven. Raven's about 200 yards across the river. So we started tapering down towards low to slack tide. It's been overcast all day. I thought we'd get into some stripers. Uh, a couple of perch here and there at our feet, but again, no, nothing crazy. Uh, I took a couple casts, hooked something big and lost it. And then I've been fishing for the last hour myself. It was slow. I got an American on the new pattern. And then I just hooked a hickory that jumped. I mean, it was crazy. Fighting that thing on an eight weight with uh, an 8-9 reel. Fighting on the reel. It's, uh, it's a pretty crazy fight for such a small fish. And that thing probably jumped five feet out of the air and seven or eight feet to the left. Uh, Chang is next to me getting snakeheads. He just got one. Um, but he thought that was pretty crazy how much that fish was flopping and jumping. And when he snagged his snakehead, I wish he had told me there was one in front of him because I would have filmed it. I did see one in front of me, 
about 30 minutes ago when the sun was breaking through, it was kind of pinkish looking, so it stood out against all the black tails. I sight cast to it once, and the currents here are just so crazy that your fly doesn't sink. It goes up and to the left and backwards to the right again. And then he tried to snag it, and it disappeared in the depths. But it's pretty cool. There's cormorants flying by me. There was a juvenile bald eagle downstream. And I'm going to go home and organize for tomorrow. My gloves absolutely stink, so I'm going to do a load of laundry. And it's going to drop probably 15, 20 degrees overnight. So I might pull in some of the tomato plants, but I'm definitely eating on the porch tonight. That's it for now. I'll check back in with you later. Good afternoon. Today is Cinco de Mayo. And I want to get you caught up in about the last week of of some craziness, some non-craziness. Yesterday's amazing day with a huge disappointment and what's to be expected tonight through the weekend. So we fished hard on Tuesday morning for a couple hours. If we had stayed longer, I'm sure we would have gotten into more fish. But hickories and Americans, white perch. White perch, you're holding the lead fly in your hand and one just eats the dropper while it's in the water. That was fun. The day was beautiful. Water was just under 60 degrees. It was great. We had a great time, but client had to go to a business call, so we ended early. Then I stayed for a little bit, and I got into hickories and Americans, and had an awesome time. It was a great Tuesday, and then I had to go pick the kid up from school. We came home, and I listed a whole bunch more flies on Etsy. And then Wednesday, I had a double client. So we get down there, and... There's fish swirling around. The water temperature, again, is just below 60. It's not super hot out, but, you know, it's t-shirt weather for some of the the guys. And we do see two snakeheads get yanked out within three minutes of each other, four minutes. And you can see that on my Instagram. And my clients, all day long, hickory shad, American shad, white perch. We did not get into any stripers, nothing weird, no catfish, no bluegill. I'm telling my clients how Chainbridge used to be a smallmouth fishery that every time you'd go out, there was a chance of getting a citation smallmouth, just a disgustingly big smallmouth and largemouth and other fish. But so far, other than the catfish, it's hickory shad, American shad, white perch. We ended up catching a little turtle who hung out with us for a while. And it was awesome. We did about five or six hours and just great, great, great time. Overnight, it got really cold. So my client comes down from the Baltimore area, and he's just this, the coolest looking dude. He looked, John looked as if he was wearing clothes straight out of the 1960s L.L. Bean. Just a cool dude all, all together. He is a former Marine helicopter pilot, so he broke down all the differences in the helicopters. And we also went over the Marine One that flew over us was it that day or the next day? I can't remember. I think it was the next day we had Marine One fly over. But no, that'll come to me in a minute. Um, it was hard, man. We got one fish all the, the whole t- the whole day, whole morning, three, four hours. It just wasn't happening. There was the temperature drop in water. The gauge wasn't working. So I didn't know what the temperature was all day. But it was bluebird skies. But just a small drop in that temperature sent the fish somewhere else. For years, I've been doing this. And I've caught shad on colder weather days and colder water days and it was pissing me off that this just turned into a huge casting lesson so then i guess that was thursday 
Yeah, that was Thursday. So Friday, I meet my first client. We're going to have a little overlap. He comes down and, uh, again, fishing super slow. We maybe got one fish in three or four hours. It, it was it was tough fishing. Uh, water just did not want to come up. It, it was supposed to be bright sun. We had clouds. And the water was just below. Let's see. I have a picture here. Uh, the water was... 61 degrees, and yet we're not hooking fish. So I, I honestly don't know what was going on. Uh, I think it was Friday that there were multiple fires burning on the far shoreline. Don't bother calling that in anymore. Uh, crazy stuff. We saw D.C. police come up in jet skis and not question a single person or talk to them. They came up in a boat. It looked like they were anchored down at Fletcher's Cove, but no information from them as what they were doing up there or why they weren't helping anybody. So my second client comes down and the fishing just, just sucked. It, it was predicted to be awesome and it just turned into a casting lesson. And he's from he's from Long Island and he fishes all the time. He knew exactly what to do with a fly rod and he knew that the fishing was, was awful. And I am keep waiting for it to just freaking start up and nothing happens. But we learned that Wu-Tang is forever and we got some great stories from clients that day, and it was just hilarious all together, just hanging out, telling stories on the river. Saturday morning was, so Saturday morning, weather is a bit chilly. Meet my client, he got a fly rod from his neighbor who lives down in Springfield, and he prepped him, guy knew what he was doing. Uh, fascinating client who grew up in California as a surfer, went to school in Hawaii. They cut class or the teacher would cancel class based on the waves. And then he became a PhD in chemistry and now works covertly. Can't talk about what he does. And again, I think it was just a big casting lesson. I don't think we hooked anything all day. Now, granted, he got a great instruction. He knows all these clients who didn't catch anything, know where to catch the fish, know how to rig their rods, know what they're doing, know where to cast, they know how to retrieve, they know the depths and speeds that things need to go, and they can roll cast expertly now. The only thing we got all day was a huge walleye. And when people ask me what's in Chain Bridge, I always forget the walleye. I got one in the dorsal fin, and right when we went to net it, I blew it. At least we could have gotten a picture of a huge walleye, and he could have shown his wife that he did catch something. I feel bad, man, when, when we're out there, you know, it's, that's fishing and, and not catching is part of the deal. You know, I'll go on road trips. I'll drive seven hours somewhere and not even see a fish. So I can understand their frustration. Uh, I ended up going up to Clarendon afterwards. I had to stop in uh, to see Art. I needed some silver flashaboo that they had. And my plan was I had a hankering for arancini all week long fried risotto balls. So I went to Whole Foods. I got some tandoori chicken, which was pretty bad. And then I got some sesame orange chicken and then a whole box of arancini. And then I went up to the Orvis store a block away and they've got a fridge. So I opened up an IPA and I'm at the spooling table, just eating lunch, drinking beer, watching employees selling things. And I ended up hanging out for like an hour and a half. There was a guy who came in who needed some information. He was deciding about what waders to buy and where to go fishing. And I said, Sundays should be pretty darn good at Chain Bridge, man, if it, if it warms up. Because Saturday was all just bluebird skies. And 
we chatted a bit. He ended up buying some books. So I guess my commission for selling three books was the beers. I ended up getting one pack of Flashaboo and then one pack of Popperheads and just hung out and talked for a little bit. The discussion with Trunzo was about how bad the smallmouth fishing is now up at Harper's Ferry and that the locals are having smallmouth stocked because lack of fishing is affecting the economy. Hey, yo, what's going on, handsome? You want to come over? Yeah. All right, Don's coming over, so I'm going to pause. Yes, sir. And then uh, it was time for drum circle, so I came back here and chilled, went to drum circle up the street, which had the maypole, and it was loads of fun. People wearing all sorts of animal costumes and face paints, and there's all sorts of food. I ended up just eating half a bag of Cool Ranch, and then I hung out with a bunch of kids and had some chocolate. They had a lot of Ghirardelli. And then there were two neighbor kids there, the only family in the neighborhood that showed up, and one of them knows my kid from school. Uh, I guess my daughter helped her in line getting into the school bus or something. I don't know. But my daughter wants to now be a patrol. So I'm going to pause here and pick this up after I hang out with D. Well, that was fun. Don and I just went over sort of what disappointed me last night. He agrees with me. Uh, and I'll explain that in a minute. So let's get to Sunday. Uh, I left drum circle at 9. Usually I'm there till after the noise ordinance starts, which is at 11. So I was out pretty early. Came back, checked the weather, checked water temperatures, checked water levels, and got a good night's sleep. Woke up early, and then I went down to meet my client. And he was a couple minutes late, but it was all good. And it was... Um, it was slow in the morning. It was an overcast day. Again, it was supposed to be warm, and it wasn't. He never fly fished before. His partner got him the get certificate right before Christmas. So I'm pretty sure I was up in Altmar when it, the transaction went through, and then I had to, I don't know if I had to send a get certificate when I got back or not, but it was definitely during the holidays. Uh, it turns out this guy went to school with Dan Davala, but didn't know Dan. He did not know Dan. And we're casting, and he picks it up quickly. We're working, we're working, and then it's just dead quiet. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Boom, 10.30 in the morning, the fish just started to bite. It was strange. It was odd. It was as if a lightning bolt hit the water and everything came alive like Frankenstein's monster. And all of a sudden, we're into fish. Uh, he had some trouble setting the hook, and then once he got the hook set, these fish were jumping absolutely everywhere. It was like he had a bucking bronco on the end of his line. And these fish were throwing the hook. We would get them close to the net. And it was comical just how funny these fish would flop. And you couldn't... I don't know how they don't end up on shore because they just come up to the surface and flop. And it's quite bizarre. So we got some beautiful hickories. And then it was time to wrap up. And I think we got an American right at the end. And then a big tangle, and it was time to go. The water temperature was about 63 degrees. And if that gives you any indication of what may or may not have brought those fish up. Maybe it hit some exact mark, and they started to bite. So I come home, and I get invited over to Rob's house. And he has got steaks smoking on the Traeger with the solo stove going. He's a good podcast listener. He helps and he buys the things that I endorse. He's definitely getting the new tan through swimwear for this summer. Not that I want to see him without tan lines, but he's going to get them. Anyway, 
he does a smoked steak, then he sears it on the griddle on top of the solo stove. I made it a tomato bisque, and then I, we made grilled cheese on top of the griddle with steaks and big red wine, and it was, it was awesome. It was a great end to a fun, beautiful weekend, sitting on their deck, waiting for the owls to come out. And then Monday morning, we were going to do Chain Bridge, and I thought it was going to be nuts. When I came, uh, I think before I went to Rob's house, I tied up a handful of chartreuse and pink damsels, a bunch of nom-noms, and a bunch of jigs and some of the new flies, mostly in pink. Never thrown pink damsels, and pink seemed to be the hot color. So that was the plan. And then my client for Monday changes the plan. Uh, eight-year-old and a 79-year-old cannot go down and fish a chain bridge. So we decided to do a local lake, and I went and tied up a whole bunch of worms and basically just organized poppers and worms. Got the five weights out, put new leaders on them. They haven't been fished all year. And we basically walked around, and only largemouth, no bluegill. We usually get crappy this time of year. But it was great. They were largemouth on nests or clearing nests, and we just observed them. There was a female that had just the craziest markings. She looked like a largemouth, and she kind of looked like, I don't know, like a, a transport plane or something with just this big, heavy fuselage and then this skinny tail sticking out the back. And the male was under her. He was probably two and a half pounds and just dwarfed. Sexual dimorphism for the patterns, I guess, and just the size of the female and we just left them alone. We just stood and watched them. And she would go on her side and he would move. And it was this very gentle, somewhat orchestrated dance they were doing. And it was awesome. I got pictures of them. They're on Instagram. And yeah, pink worms. We had one fish. The last fish took the popper. But everything else was slurped up purple worms. And then I prepared for my client yesterday. I had two days off. So we had a whole bunch of flies to fish yesterday and we did five or six hours and it's been warm. So the water temperature was, uh, I'll check it right now that I can find out what it was yesterday. Water temperature was 64 to 65 degrees yesterday. And when I tell you that yesterday was one of the most memorable days of guiding I will ever have, it's an understatement. I had so much fun with client we're going to call John Wilkes. So John Wilkes got into the first striper of the year, which was an absolute dink. And it was beautiful and it, it fought like crazy and it came up in the, the huge net and just wouldn't give up it's more reason to debarb your flies because when these fish are flopping around it's really easy to get a hook these fish have never been stationary in their life so they're freaking out when they're in the net and we get into hickory shad and we get into american shad and we get into two more big stripers when i say big i mean compared to the other one they're like nine and ten inches long and when I say that every roll cast, 10, 10 to 12 fish would chase the fly at the surface and miss, I have the film of it. I'll put it together and get it on YouTube. I can't remember the last time I filmed somebody shad fishing other than that time I filmed myself. We ended up taking off the 250 grain and putting on just a lightweight 
sink tip because everything was at the surface. John Wilkes would cast with the rod tip up and just drag the the jig across the surface of the water and they were hitting it. There were times where the second it penetrated the water, there was a hickory shad. These fish were biting in three feet of water under the rod in front of me and it was just silver flashes. And we had a huge thunderstorm the night before. The water was a little more stained, but as the tide dropped, it cleared. But you could still see just flashes of silver, like somebody trying to do an SOS that's been lost in the woods. Remarkable. I was live tweeting it. I was live Instagramming it. I was texting people, get your arse down here right now because it is just freaking nuts. And it was amazing. That was, I was sad when we both had to go. That's all I can say. It, it was disappointing, but things were, let me put it this way. If you had a five weight and a little popper on or a crease fly with a floating line, you probably could have caught a hundred fish yesterday easily. And I wanted to go back today, but I'm too tired because after last night's event, after yesterday's fantastic fishing, I had to go and clean up because I was invited. We got the helicopter coming in. I was invited to the Teddy Roosevelt Conservation Partnership dinner with the International Federation of Fly Fishers. We're gonna let that helo pass by. Catbird was out a couple minutes ago. There's a robin sitting by Catbird. That bird is just so weird. I don't know if it's a male or female, but that is one weird creature. It had three friends with it. I think it was their, their sibling. I actually see Catbird right now in the tree. Oh, and another one just showed up. Let's see if they get noisy. So I was saying I was invited to sit at the table for Fly Fishers International. And I came home and I showered and shaved up and got my hair all done. Put on a suit that I haven't worn yet because I got my suits right before the pandemic started. And grabbed a bow tie and a whole stack of business cards. And I rolled out. I gave myself an hour to go 14 miles. And I got there, I don't know, there was time, I was probably late getting there at 5.30 something, leaving at 4.30. Got parking and I rolled up in there and it was a huge building, the National Building Museum, extremely large. And of course, with just me being me, I get the, I was a last minute addition. So I get the handwritten name tag. Now name tags need to be bigger, bolder, and they need to show where you're from and who you're with. Just helps in the conversation, especially if you want to look at somebody from five or six feet away and you don't want some woman to think you're staring at their bosoms. I was pretty excited to go because Steve Ranella was the MC. So I had emailed his people the night before asking if I could just get a minute or two on the side with him just to get him on the podcast. I'll tell you they were prompt in responding to me, but they were not really a help. And then I get there and I go straight to the bar because it was hot out and I'm wearing a suit and spent an hour in the car and I have a gin and tonic. I have not had a gin and tonic in a long time. And it was fantastic. It was cold. It was icy and clanky with lots of lime in it. And I start talking to people and People want to shake hands. I'm like, man, we shouldn't all even be in here right now masked off. There's a there's B2 variant going around. And I thought we learned that shaking hands is just something we shouldn't do. 
And we completely went back to shaking hands after a pandemic. And I thought that was just weird. Also, I was supposed to have gotten my new updated contact prescription yesterday, and it didn't show up in the mail. So I had extra trouble trying to read everyone's name tags. And then, you know, I always was told by customers at Orvis and clients and my professor in college that when you get to my age, your eyesight's going to go. And I, I waited 20-something years, and my doctor said, it's just I need new contacts. I'm, my eyesight's not going that bad. But now I've been taking out some older clients, my 79-year-old and a couple other older gentlemen recently. And I think the thing I have to worry about now is having to pee all the time. My older clients got to pee a whole lot. And it's a good thing we fish urban because there's usually a bathroom around. So, yeah, if we're doing this podcast in 20 more years, I'm going to have to see who, who remembered this episode to see if I'm peeing all the time. The hors d'oeuvres were tiny. Most of it I was allergic to, shellfish. There were some little burgers and chicken, which were great. And it was very loud in there. And I was walking around just introducing myself to people. There were dudes in cowboy hats with these blazers on that don't look like they're from D.C. So I walked up and said, hey, you know, I'm Rob Snowy, local fly fishing guide. You guys don't look like you're from around here. Uh, what are you doing here? Tell me about yourselves. And they, they obliged. We had some great stories. One's from Gunnison, Colorado. One's from Missouri and works in beef industry. And yeah, great conversation. We all exchanged cards and did fist bumps and shook hands. And I went off and met another group of guys from Bass Pro Shops. I met people from Colorado, from local. Uh, got some people hopefully to come out to Beer Tie. The locals from Falls Church. And I'm still looking for Steve Ranella. And then someone says, hey, he's over there. So I go over there and I'm like, sweet, dude, I've been following this guy's career since 2008 when I was driving home from work and heard him on All Things Considered talking about his buffalo hunt. And I'm not a big hunter, so I don't really follow too much. I don't watch a lot of Netflix. I don't listen to his podcast, but his podcast is always number one. And he's part of what I do. A lot of my listeners listen to him. So I stood there while he talked to other people and I waited politely for my turn. And then I introduced myself. I pulled out my card and said, Steve, my name is Rob Snowy. I'm a local fly fishing guide. I host the longest running fly fishing show on iTunes. Can I get you to say something really quick in my podcast? And he takes my card and he said, what do you, you, know, what do you want me to say? Granted, I caught him off guard, but everyone else there is catching him off guard. And I said, uh, in my best, you know, Don Geronimo um, radio god bit, I said, could you just record, my name's Steve Ranella. I'm too busy being Steve Ranella to listen to Rob Snow White's podcast. And he said, no. And he handed my card back to me. And I just stood there like, what? He, everyone else I've met tonight, up until then, and everyone I met afterwards, took my business card. You could have looked at it later and tossed it by just putting it in your jacket pocket. And I'm just like, wow, I just got completely shut down by a dude who's supposed to be pretty big in the industry and important. He's here at this amazing fundraising event as the MC, And he just handed my card back. That's only happened once in my career. And that was with Ian Davis. And I don't care about that anymore, man. Just I, I'm at the point in my life where I don't hold grudges, but his people knew I wanted to ask him a question. I asked him, he said, no, but the handing the card back to me, just not cool. And like I said, maybe he, he was caught off guard. He didn't get a chance. He didn't believe my last name. Uh, I don't know what, but 
I, I just felt very disrespected and disappointed. And it kind of bummed me out all night. Then I bump into Art Noglack, another Orvis guy, and hang out and start talking to people. I see people up at uh, looking at fly rods, and they, they ask me a question. We start having a conversation, or I bump into somebody through our d'oeuvres. Or there's the girl that's passing out. She's passing out raffle tickets. Everyone in there was so friendly. And it was a huge networking event for me. I passed out probably 20 to 30 cards last night. My inside lapel jacket pocket was stuffed. And on the way out, it was empty. And my side pocket was full of other people's business cards. Finally, see Dave Fokert. And then I bump into Lane Thurgood and Patrick Berry. We all sit down. It's time for dinner now. I did end up speaking right before we sat down to Steve's wife and asked if they had time to go fishing in the morning. Maybe we could get a clean slate with what happened earlier and I could get another chance to introduce myself to him. But he was too busy and I ended up striking up a conversation with her and she was super nice. She said they're leaving at 7 a.m. I said, I'll meet you at 5.30 if you guys want to go swing flies for stripers and then you can walk to the airport or I'll drop you off. And I think she thought I was joking, but I wasn't. And knowing that the storm's coming, that fishing is going to be ruined for the next two to three weeks. The shad run is done. So we sit down and we eat this delicious salad. And I've got another gin and tonic and it's just so refreshing and delicious. Oh man, forgot. I ended up starting to drink gin and tonics after my trip to Africa in 98 because nobody in Africa knew how to make a whiskey sour. So I started drinking gin and tonics. So the dinner starts, the second course, and they put down salmon. That was your option. Hand-caught wild Alaskan salmon. I'm like, man, this looks good. It smells good, but I am not eating it. If I had four gin and tonics in me, maybe I would eat salmon. David's like, and David is huge. If you remember him from all the other podcasts, I just flip my salmon on his plate. And by the time I'm done trying to eat the al dente risotto, he's already eaten four pounds of salmon. My God, that dude is just huge. And then during the dinner, they start having speakers. And there's a huge tribute to Jim Range. The Jim Range casting call was an event we used to do in DC. Please look up Jim Range and TCRP and all the contributions he did. My dad worked with him in the 70s. I once got drunk with Jim Range and Ted Turner in 2004. That's a whole nother story. And then I found out the table that all of Jim Range's people, for lack of a better word, were at. And I met his daughter. And I'm pretty sure she knew who I was because of the last name. And it was just a trip. I said, we've got to go fishing sometime. We are, we're like old DC 1970s EPA family together. We probably played together in the buildings as a kid on weekends. So I'm pretty hungry now. The party's kind of over. It's winding down. Go say hi to some other companies, introduce myself, ask if I'm offering to take anybody fishing today. And believe it or not, like on the house, not a single person took me up on it. Most people had to leave in the morning too, or just had to go somewhere far away for the night. I don't know if you can hear Mr. and Mrs. Cardinal. They're hanging out in the tree with Catbird. And Catbird doesn't have a name yet. Like there's Fred the Bird and Ginger. Catbird is just Catbird. And you can hear the woodpecker banging on someone's house doing a booty call. Catbird is now going into the shed. Hey, no, no, no. Catbird is in the shed. Catbird is now... <laughs> this bird is so freaking weird. I mean, my schnauzer was a total weirdo, but that bird... Something else. 
So after the event, it's still kind of late for me. I'm an early to bed guy. I don't party anymore. I want to get a good night's sleep. That's more important. But I'm parked right across from the Irish pub, the Irish channel. And I have not been in a pub since 2019. I don't know the last time I had a beer on tap. So I walk in and I sit down and I get a Guinness and I just strike up conversation with the bartender. Uh, She is from Bulgaria and we talk about that and her accent and surprisingly a pint of Guinness in DC is nine and a half dollars. Things have changed since the pandemic. That was a little disappointing. And now I'm like, man, I am hungry. I've had two drinks over the last four hours and then I just had a cold Guinness that I rather quickly drank. So I decided to hit Taco Bell on the way home, which was great, but the line was huge. And I'm trying to eat while I'm driving, wearing a brand new suit and not get food on it. And that was very difficult. Get home, get the suit off, go to bed early with a full belly, which was a bad idea. And the AC was off and it was hot. So I got a horrible night's sleep. I am beat. And I've just been prepping for the rain today, having to email all my clients, uh, quarter to half inch tonight, and then up to three inches by Sunday. The Potomac's expected to go up to about eight feet which means pretty much everything is going to be blown out except the lakes and ponds that don't have a massive watershed. So one trip canceled tomorrow, one trip canceled Saturday. We're going to do a podcast on brook trout on Saturday and then a four hour in the morning and a four hour in the afternoon Sunday canceled. So yeah, that's uh, that sucks. That's a lot of income I'm going to miss out on because of precipitation. I have been working almost seven days a week, so I got a couple days off, and we'll see if there's just some neighborhood shenanigans going on. That's it for now. I will catch you up again if we go shad fishing. This could be the last one. I don't know, but people are still buying shad flies, shipping them all over the country, Oregon, Georgia, North Carolina. People in North Carolina buying uh, intruder flies too, so hopefully they're going to travel. But I had a great time last night. Yesterday was just just loads of fun. I I don't get to have a full day like that very often and had a great time. So thanks Richie and thanks Lane for inviting me and we're going to have to do a IFF FFI podcast coming up. That's it. I'm going to sign off and go get ready for game two of the Capital Series and let the solo stove lit up. Well, good afternoon. It's 95 or 6 degrees outside right now. It's May 21st, and the Shad Run is officially over for guiding. We had the storm come through, and that last day of fishing was Star Wars Day, May 4th. And then we had the Nor'easter, which circled and dumped a lot of rain. And the Potomac River went up to about 9 feet. So any place that we normally would fish was completely unfishable. And it took about a week for the water levels to drop back down. And as soon as that happened, that same storm had gone out to the ocean. And with the Coriolis effects and the Hadley cells and the whatnots in the ocean, it came back ashore. That's when the North Carolina house went viral for falling in the ocean. And you can probably kill yourself trying to get to the beach on most East Coast beaches right now with the erosion. There's about a six to seven foot drop in some of the beaches. I don't know how they're going to get them open for Memorial Day. So if you are hearing this now, summer's about to start. So I hope you're excited for fishing. We're done with the shad. I can click on the shad cam right now. 
and it is on. And fish were going by the other day, nothing crazy, nothing fast. It shows there's still fish in the river, but really not enough for me to go target them with clients. Now, last week, this past week, the weather was fantastic, and the water, it took about 10 days to drop below five feet, and then yeah, about two weeks to get down below the four six. It's at 4.2 right now. I would have gone out this week to fish. However, it just cost me 70 bucks to fill up my tank. And secondly, it was high tide this week. And I just don't really want to be standing up in the nasty where all the garbage is and whatever was delivered during the floods. I'm sure all the garbage from last time is now out in the ocean. It got washed down. So it takes a long time for the Potomac to drop. And here is a Facebook post from Great Falls Park explaining this. What goes up must come down. But why is it taking so long? Drainage basin, exclamation point. Phil Monahan says never use exclamation points. The Potomac River at Great Falls is still draining water from the mountains and last weekend's rain systems. This was posted uh, about a week ago. In the foothills of the Appalachians, the ground is still saturated and cannot absorb any more water. The temperatures are still mild enough that evaporation is not claiming much moisture. The swollen creeks and streams are still draining excess water through the over 11,000 square miles of land that make up the drainage basin to the Great Falls. The river will recede slowly unless more rain falls to the north and west in the mountains this weekend. The rain cycles in the mountains can cause the Great Falls to rise even with dry weather for days on end in the DC region. And what happened was it all drained and where we fish at Chain Bridge just happens to be the narrowest part of the tidal section right below the fall line. So thus you have all of that water above the tidal section getting narrowly compacted into the end of this Mather Gorge and it just rages. You could take a whitewater raft through there. People were kayaking it, and there's video. So that was it. We're going to still book clients to go down there for gar, snakehead, and striper this week. And then it's mostly warm water fishing. We were absolutely crushing largemouth with poppers and droppers. We got a 1.8-pound red-eared sunfish recently. We also got ourselves a huge crappie, and the client caught the most fish he's ever caught in his life in an outing. And he also caught the largest largemouth of his fishing career. And with this heat, I want to remind you, stay hydrated, wear sunscreen, wear a hat, wear your fishing gloves so your hands don't get gross and old looking prematurely. And don't leave your squirmy wormies in the car because they're going to melt. So that's it. These are the ups and downs, trials, tribulations, funs, and frustrations of shad fishing on the Potomac. Just when it was about to get absolutely world-class, amazing fishing. Mother Nature had to come in and screw things up. So everyone's moved off to other places now. There's still people up there trying to find some shad, and they're in there. But mostly we're all focusing on other places. So my next trip, hopefully, is going to be out to Burke Lake. The snakeheads are spawning, and I want to go do some sight casting. So this is the podcast. I thought there would be more days to talk about, more fantastic fishing, more fascinating clients that I would have interviewed down on the river, but we just didn't have enough time down there, and that's fishing. What can I say? I don't guarantee you to catch fish every time. And then the rain's gonna come like it does at some point every year and throw things off. 
If you need to have an audiobook recorded or to record an album, please visit Jason's website. If you want to help support the podcast, please go to my website, robsnowwhite.com, and make a purchase through the Solo Stove link when you do buy your Solo Stove. I know you want to be sitting outside this summer with smoke-free fire pits. If you want to further support the show, please go to robsnowwhite.com and click on my Etsy link. I have an exotic array of flies for sale for you to catch fish of any type and any size all over the world. Thanks for downloading the podcast. My name really is Rob Snow White. Now I've got to go start filling up my water bottles for my 9 a.m. clients tomorrow morning. Have a great summer. I'll see you on the water. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. This podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com.